brightly lit town filled with criminals who love puns. Only two heroes in nipple suits can save the day. Batman and Robin. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Boucher. I'm Connor Izagari. And welcome to our brand new show, Beyond the Bad. Before we get into it, I want to start with how this show will work. Uh, we will be looking at some of cinema's most notoriously bad films and finding a silver lining. Hopefully. We will also discuss production of the film and present some of our very own rewards. Think Razzies, folks. But before we get into that, I'm going to turn it over to my co-host because I came slightly unprepared about the uh, Rotten Tomato <laughs> score and turn that over to you real quick, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, new episode jitters. Always happens. Uh, it's been a while since we launched a new show, Sneak Preview, back in uh, January of 2021. And uh, this will be our last show because more than four podcasts is going to burn us all the fuck out. Um, beyond the bad. This is where we're going to look at just the worst movies ever. And we're going to be using Rotten Tomatoes primarily as our kind of decider because that's traditionally where most people recognize a good or a bad movie i don't know we don't necessarily agree with it but it is what it is you know uh batman and robin is sitting at a comfortable 12 percent, which is quite amazing for a superhero movie uh critics and census reads joel schumacher's tongue-in-cheek attitude hits an unbearable limit in batman and robin resulting in a frantic and mindless movie that's too jokey to care much for and i think that's being pretty pretty generous yeah it's 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 generous but god damn 12 percent 12 percent i'm so sitting on that no it's i mean yeah wow i mean look i'm not gonna lie like watching it i almost applaud the commitment to like what they are doing with this movie but yeah it's like nothing works in this movie at all i kept thinking like how many times during production did the actors have a moment of like, what have I done? <laughs> like my career will never recover from this. <laughs> Except for Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's just walking around like, I got to be blue for $300 million. <laughs> Dude, based off some quotes I pulled up, which I'll go into in our first segment. Yeah, it, uh, I got the feeling it was hard for a lot of them to act in general in this you movie. Call that acting. Yeah. 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 This was a good place to start for this show. I mean, there's a lot of movies that, you know, were bad and disappeared, movies that should have been better, movies that are notoriously cult favorites now. But Batman and Robin is a special kind of bad movie. It's one that everybody recognizes as a complete fuck up on all levels. And it's a movie that killed one of the most profitable superhero franchises in history for quite some time. So, what better movie to start this show with? Yeah, I, I figured when I was coming up with the list, I figured what, what better way to do this and pick something that's just considered one of the worst ones of all time. And I was like, you know what? 
we're in a superhero boom since like what 2008 now i was like let's let's look at sphere phones and then it was easy it was like it was either gonna be this or like catwoman was probably the only other one runner up <laughs> i was like let's do batman and robin because i was a kid so that's what i went with this <laughs> that's that's why i went with this which um, i do want to continue flipping this on you for a minute um when did you first see this film like what is your attachment to batman and robin thinking of that beautiful 12 percent score i have a surprisingly great um i I like i like this movie because i grew up with it uh it's hard to admit that it's hard to to own that especially these days but i had this on tape along with the Burton films and Batman Forever. Like, these were my Batman movies. And I remember the fucking trailers on the tape. I remember the preview for the, like, ice cycle Batwing thing. Like, they, it was toys, uh, trailers for toys, and then a trailer for the soundtrack with R. Kelly singing about Gotham City. <laughs> it just, I remember this. This was a movie that I just, I, I watched all the time on tape, and I can't hate it. Because it's Batman and it's it makes me laugh. I see this as more of a like I need to feel good movie. Cause I'll watch it and I'll think like this is so bad, it's hilarious. And it's just a movie that's been a, a part of my life forever. So it's hard to it's hard to really honestly hate it. <laughs> I you know, I'm not gonna lie, I feel you. <laughs> this was <laughs> this was a film I watched a lot as a kid because the very reasons people fucking despise this movie. When you're a kid, you know no different. It's very reasons you love this fucking movie. Okay. It's bright, it's colorful, it's over the top, it's ridiculous. So when you're a kid, like, oh, this is fun, this is cool. That's how I felt. I, I watched it any chance I got. And then as I got on, I went, I don't know why I like this movie so much. But again, like my nostalgia hits, and it's like, oh, I can't hate it too much because I go back. <coughs> <coughs> I go back to when I was a kid and when I watched it, God knows how many times. Yeah. Well, my, my tape collection just went through a cycle on, you know, on VHS. I just, I would just watch them constantly. I had them on in the background. There's just like 20 or 30 movies that I just had constantly rotating in my life. Like till I was like 12 and Batman and Robin was one of those movies. I can quote this whole damn thing. Like it's not one of my favorite movies. It's just in here and it's not going away. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is a thing. It it achieved technically what it was supposed to do. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. In a um, weird way. <laughs> <coughs> Not every movie going forward on this show is going to have that kind of reaction from me. A lot of what we got planned is either dog shit I've never seen or movies I genuinely hate. So, oh, I. I tried picking a mixture of stuff I knew would like I could actually kind of talk nice about and stuff I was like, I'm going to spice this, but gotta do, gotta do it. So the variety on this show is gonna be really interesting. This is gonna be really fun going forward. <coughs> or painful, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But let's go ahead and move on to the first segment that I have cooked up for us, known as development hell. So in this segment, if I get into it, this is where we'll kind of talk about like behind-the-scenes stuff, potentially see if we can pinpoint what the fuck may have gone on with the movie. In this case, I was able to pull... Um, Batman Ron was a major victim 
of studio interference. Mm-hmm. They were rushing it out. I, I want to say interference, but they were definitely coming out trying to rush something out. Do the Power Rangers humongous success? And we wanted to get more toys out of the shelves. Yep. <laughs> they went up to Schumacher and told him to make a toy edit film. <laughs> God. Toyetic's not a fucking word, but whatever. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> studios, man. They just make shit up on the fly. They don't know what they want. They don't know how to tell you what they want. And then they're pissed when you don't deliver. Yep. Well, and this is the thing. Here we go. Here's some, here's a quote to further this fucking toy thing home. Robin himself, Chris Sotano, said, It just felt like everything got a little soft the second time. On Batman Forever, I felt like I was making a movie. The second time, I felt like I was making a kid's toy commercial. Yeah, that about sums it up. Although I would disagree about Batman Forever being more of a movie. I think these two are pretty on par with each other. I'd say Batman Forever tries to stay toned down, but still goes camp. But this just goes full on camp. At least there's actual dialogue in Batman Forever. It's not just a cheeky pun every single time. <laughs> yeah, From Academy yeah. Award winning screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, by the way. I'll never understand that. <laughs> How can somebody crank out a screenplay this shitty and then win an Oscar four years later for A Beautiful Mind? <laughs> I don't know. Drugs? I got nothing. <laughs> well, so this is the thing too, right? There's that quote, and like I said, studio, the other problem was Schumacher. Now, we all know he has since gone to apologize about this one numerous times before his passing, but it was made on his part. His decision was to camp up this film a lot from the prior film. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Pat Hingle said that before every take, He'd get on his megaphone and say, remember, we are making a cartoon. Hence why I brought up like the acting in this film. Like it was very hard for the actors to feel like they were acting when you're getting told that constantly. Jesus. And Pat Hingle had been there since the Burton era. He was he was Gordon for the run of those films. Uh, so he'd actually been on a competent Batman production. So that must have hurt especially hard for him and Michael Goff. Yeah, can you imagine? You're just like, all right, let's do. I'm going to fucking deliver an award-winning scene here, and then, hey, no, mm-mm. cartoon. All right, this is not a live-action film; it's a long-running series. It's a goddamn cartoon. For for Uma Thurman, this was three years after Pulp Fiction, where she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Her career was probably at an all-time high. And then, do you think on this, like, she had a moment of like, what? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing a toy commercial? I could be doing competent <laughs> productions. Like, what happened? If she did, <laughs> she tries harder than most in this movie and did not give any hint of that in the interview. <laughs> but behind the scenes, she didn't, it, I got no hint of that. So, well, I, when I you're, no, when you're pr- like trying to plug the movie, when you're like on the press tour, you can't be like, This was the worst fucking production I've ever been a part of. This movie's dog shit. Don't talk well, to no, me. Like, most of these quotes I got were from like the DVD bonus features of them bad mounting this movie. Like during production? Whenever it was when the DVD came out. So I, yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So I guess like yeah. <laughs> Still I don't know. Oh boy. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, along with all those fun decisions, um, I think the biggest one also, and we will never let anyone forget this, the fact that there are bat nipples on the bat suits. That was a decision made by Joel Schumacher as well because he wanted to – he compared them to Greek gods and how they were – you know, the comics are sculpted to perfection. And apparently that involved putting nipples – um, I don't know if we haven't apparently learned from Zack Snyder. When you make your superheroes and compare them to gods, it usually doesn't end well in your movie. Why does that always happen? Why does every like auteur filmmaker think that they can change the game by compare, like you know, turning like famous campy superheroes into like the equivalent of fucking Greek gods? Why is this a thing? It, it never works. <laughs> every time, it doesn't work. Look, I get it. You're trying to treat like these heroes with like reverence and respect, and that's awesome. And that's what I want to see in my comic movies. At the end of the day, it's based off a comic book. I love comics. I got plenty like coming from Ibon in the mail. Um, I got a pool list from one I'm I'm yeah. getting. From, like I love comics, right? I got my I got my fair share. They're not gods though. <laughs> They're fucking comic books. I've got, yeah, I've got a great comic collection too. I love comic books, but you can't suck all the whimsy out of it. You can't take all the charm and the corniness out of it. Or what you have is a boring, unrelatable story. Or in this case, whatever the fuck Joel Schumacher's leather fetishism is. It's a, and this was the second time he nippled up the bat suit in Batman Forever. Kilmer's got nipples too. It's just never. I don't think it's as pronounced as it is in this one. It's it's more subtle and forever. You notice it in Batman and Robin. Oh yeah. Weirdly though, Batgirl, no nipples on that costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He talked about that on the behind the scenes because he said that the studio would not have been ha- happy about that. Mm. So he just had to make it more subtle on her. However, she is wearing heels, which has always bu- bugged me. Like, why the really? It's like in uh, Jurassic World when she's running from the T-Rex and you're like, you're in heels. That's that's not happening. Batgirl is not kicking cr- like crime's ass in Gotham City with a fucking four-inch heel. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boy. Um, now that we've talked about that, let's kind of dig into who's in this movie and who directed it. I know we've talked a little bit about that, but let's get into this fun part of the development. So, seeing the return of as we've talked about, director Joe Schumacher, the cast would also consist of George Clooney as Batman, Chris O'Donnell as Robin, Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Iceman himself, Mr. Freeze, Hema Thurman as Poison Ivy, Alicia Silverstone comes in to be Bat Gore, Michael Gallo comes back for the fourth time as Alfred, and then, as I mentioned earlier, Pat Hingle, Hingle, sorry, not in his Commissioner Gordon role, different role, but in the movie. It's weird. No, he's still playing Gordon. Wait, no, yeah, he is. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. He's in with someone else's movie. But uh, if you're probably, you're probably sitting there wondering, why didn't Val Kilmore come back? He was in Batman Forever. Some of us liked him in Batman Forever. I'll tell you, Schumacher didn't like him. As a lot of people know, Kilmore was notorious on set for being pretty terrible to work with. <laughs> so between Schumacher basically firing him and his commitment to the critically acclaimed the saint oh boy yeah he does not show up in this movie so instead we get george clooney 
who I'll say it, not my favorite performance of his. No, really. You, you're not you're not pulling for the clune tang as Batman. Not here. No. <laughs> well, join the club. You know who's in that club? George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he, for a long time he was like refunding people. I think he still does. If you go up to him and he's got like 20s, he'll give you like money back. He I read that he has a poster of Batman and Robin, a giant poster in his office to constantly remind him never to take projects solely on financial gain to always read the script think about it first because his career dodged a pretty big bullet once and <laughs> it could always happen again if he chooses the wrong movie <laughs> yeah yeah the lesson to be learned like don't just do a movie because oh, it's batman like really really decide this one like really be like is the script for this one good i <laughs> I read, um, I watched the documentary Val on Amazon Prime, and that is the most self-serving, arrogant doc I've ever seen, because it's entirely Val Kilmer talking about, like, I'm not difficult. I just am very choosy about who I work with and what I do, and I'm committed to the art. And he's, like, trying to justify, a, like, decades of being a dick on set. And <laughs> it just doesn't fly. When he gets to Batman... His, his explanations are just like, well, I didn't like the script. I didn't like that I couldn't move. And I, like, it's okay. So you just, so you acted like a petulant child the entire production because of, of that? <laughs> like, dude, I won't watch that documentary because of that. I'm like, no, dude, you, you're not going to sit there and try to say you aren't an asshole and then try to get sympathy because you, I think he has what, I think he has like throat cancer or some shit. Yeah, he beat throat cancer, but he had a pretty um, severe vocal cord surgery and he can't talk without the aid of a machine anymore. Yeah, and it's like he's trying to get something. He's like, I'm sorry, dude. You were a notorious asshole your whole career. Like, and now you're just trying to do this to save face? Like, no, I don't have sympathy for you at all. Dude, his decisions are going to make... He's going to come up on this show a lot. <laughs> he has made some really horrible script choices in his career especially in the late 90s so you're get get used to his name <laughs> yeah you were thinking he'd be on like one of the other shows but no no not nearly as often as he'll be here oh god you know considering <sighs> schumacher had to deal with val kilmer being a arrogant prick tommy lee jones's rampant dislike for jim carrey i do not sanction your perfume yeah that's the the constant shit from the studio, the fan expectations. It's a miracle Batman Forever actually was, you know, ended up being a coherent film. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that people prefer it over Robin. I, I do. Forever, has, I, I like that one more. I think it's a tighter movie. I, I think Jim Carrey as the Riddler was a good choice. I don't necessarily like the way it played out, but he was a good choice. I thought Tommy Lee Jones was terribly miscast. And. <sighs> Basically, him and him and Carrie are playing the Joker the whole time, which is annoying. Yeah, and what's funny is that he doesn't sanction his perfumery, but he's acting like Jim Carrey in the movie. Yeah, there's a reason for that. He refused to be upstaged. He was like, "No buffoon is gonna act harder than me." <laughs> oh god! But I digress. That's another movie for another episode. That's another fun-filled day talking about Batman forever. <laughs> It's quite a lot of Batman you could throw onto this show, which is pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, there is. 
Well, oh, wait, I was about to say, no, then I was like, yeah, Zack Snyder's bullshit. Yeah, there's a couple of animated ones. I think there's more Superman that will find a home here, but there's there's more than enough Batman. Yeah, there is. There's a lot more than enough Batman. Oh, oh boy. With that said, our fan anticipation was high on this movie, surprisingly, because as we did talk about, Batman Forever was actually like a huge hit. People do, a lot of people have a soft spot for that one. Uh, and which means in turn, the pressure was felt on everyone involved in making this film. It would actually not ultimately go down as a hugely successful film. Instead, it would quickly go down as one of the worst, if not the worst. Well, no, one of the worst. I think Catwoman's like running for the worst uh, superhero films in comic book history. You're probably wondering, well, how bad? Can't be that bad. You got a lot of great shit since then, since 2005, right? Well, it killed two sequels, which were planned, canceled a planned Superman film starring Nicolas Cage and directed by Tim Byrne, and made the Batman franchise go dormant until 2005. So, yes, that bad. It never occurred to me that this was this movie killed Superman Lives. I, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> oh, man. The studio had so much plan so much hope on this film and the moment it flopped it just all went away hence why i say like in a very weird fucking world we live in if it wasn't for the flop of this film we would probably not even know what batman begins but because this film flopped so so hard we have the batman era we do now which i think is pretty good with the dark knight trilogy Ben Affleck as Batman, I do like. I don't think his films are very good, and I don't blame him. Again, kind of like with Henry Cavill, I blame the scripts they were handed. And then the upcoming Matt Reeves one that just looks stellar. So weird. I know it's a weird like a weird stance to take, but it's it's kind of true. Those um those planned sequels. I knew about the one uh, Batman Triumphant, the one with where. It was supposed to be Scarecrow, Killer Croc, and uh, Harley was going to be Joker's daughter this time. But I didn't know there was another movie. Yes, it was a going to be like a solo Robin film where he was becoming, going to become Nightwing. So the <laughs> seeds were actually, as you can tell, this getting planted. Jesus. Oh, man. To be responsible for that many crashed projects. <laughs> oh, my God. In some but, cases, careers. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure Chris O'Donnell thanks his lucky stars every day for NCIS New Orleans or whatever the fuck, whichever one of those he headlines. Yeah, I, I looked it up when I was, yeah, I was like, I was actually looking up when I was watching. I was like, what the fuck does he do anyway? And I looked it up. And I was like, oh, he's the lead in one of the NCISs. Okay, good for him. I think Alicia Silverstone, like she had, she was in Clueless. She was in this. And then she became like a spokesperson for PETA. <laughs> And that's it. Like, I think now she's playing like guest appearances as moms on various TV shows. I saw a trailer for a horror film she's popping up in. She's like, she's doing stuff, but it's not, I mean, it's not big skull like this. Um, I hope never in a million years will this happen. I want her to have a cameo in HBO Max's Batgirl movie. I know we'll be lucky if she pops up in Batwoman. Oh man, that's rough. <laughs> that's harsh. I, 
I'm making a dig at that show and I watched that show. I just want to point this out. <laughs> oh man, I'm I have not I've got all the time in the world now, and I have no interest in revisiting the Arrowverse as it was once called. I think now it's like the CW Superverse or whatever the fuck. It's not like that. And even then I get the feeling like with each passing season, it's just getting closer to the end. Cause you can just like the way they just keep killing off playing spinoffs and stuff. I'm like, they're they're getting ready to fucking either like kill this thing off or just drastically reduce the amount of shows. I looked into that Armageddon thing. I saw a picture of Despero and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This he's got such a cool look in the comics and you just make him a Scott in a fucking Greek robe. That's it. That's all you got. Yeah, I've been I've been watching the Armageddon thing. It's definitely the weakest um, crossover because it's not really a fucking crossover. How, you know, how rough can this end of the world crisis be if your backup is Batwoman 2 and Supergirl's sister? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Not Supergirl. Her sister without powers. I can't use Supergirl because her show's over, so apparently she's just not on call anymore. <laughs> and Oliver Green arrowheaded with, spoiler alert, him dying. So... Hmm. Can't can't do a lot. Whew. Yeah, uh, if you if you want to look at a film that just knows how to, you know how the rocks like the Viagra franchises. Yeah, this is the exact opposite. Batman and Robin is like, oh god, what's a good way? What's a good drug that puts you to sleep? Like Xanax. Could be. I could Xanax. Whatever. Something like that, but it's it's it it's a good way to kill shit. It's a good way to say like <laughs> people don't want this anymore. And you know what? I think I'm most mad honestly about the Superman thing because Tim Burton directing and Nicholas Cage's Superman. We all know how big of a Superman fan he is. And this was like this isn't now Cage. This was '90s prime Cage people. As much as I love Cage and appreciate some '90s Burton, that movie would have sucked so hard because of the producer interference. Remember the guy who like pestered Kevin Smith about the big spider? He was involved in this. <laughs> like this movie would have ended up being so far from Cage and Burton's vision that it would have just been un- unrecognizable. So maybe it's for the best that we never got that movie. Maybe it is for the best. Maybe it's for the best. This fucking travesty came out. And- yeah. Batman and Robin died so that fan love of superman could live <laughs> this movie's a martyr <laughs> even though has superman really lived since then because this movie track say, record is still kind of spotty i didn't say it worked out well but <laughs> <laughs> i hate superman returns as well so yeah we haven't gotten a good superman movie since 1980 <laughs> which is really wow. sad that is that's the most depressing thing I've heard. Yeah. Superman 2, directed by Richard Donner, was a masterpiece. And then that was it. <laughs> Superman 3 and 4 were shit. Superman Returns was shit. Zack Snyder's tenure with Superman has been mediocre at best. And going forward, they have no fucking clue what to do. <laughs> yeah, they're really on and off by like, no, we're going to do super- no, we're not. No, we'll do super- Henry Cavill's in it. No, he's not. Like, 
I'm hearing Henry Cavill wants in. Henry Cavill's being shut out. They're going to do a black Superman. They're not going to do a black Superman. They are going to do a black Superman, but it's not Clark Kent. Like, just make up your fucking mind. <laughs> do something. <laughs> oh. It's nice to have a place to just bitch for like an yes. hour. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This, is, this feels good. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm annoyed, but I'm not. Wow, I wasn't holding it in like that. <sighs> well, <clears throat> I guess in a little bit of like good news, since the film has released, you know, several people involved have apologized for the finished film, for what it's worth. Um, chief among them, Clooney and Schumacher. Um, as we said earlier, Clooney was known to give out refunds. Schumacher, actually on that DVD I was watching, said for those of you who saw Batman Forever and were entertained and were excited for what we were going to do next and walked out disappointed, I am truly sorry. That was not my intention. I meant to entertain. Okay. Yeah. I, all right. So in terms of who's at fault here, I, I think the blame can be passed around quite a bit. Schumacher certainly, you know, with his letter leather thing with the nipples and the cod pieces and the like, just the way he decided to turn this into like a neon sign come to life. Okay. And then you got Akiva Goldman who wrote a screenplay made entirely of shitty puns with zero character development and just ridiculous shit. And then you got the producers who told them both to do that. <laughs> so I don't know. I think everyone kind of fucked up here. Everyone fucked up, but I mean, like, I'll, I'll give Schumacher credit for like coming out and apologies like that. And like owning up to stuff that he was very adamant was like, during, when I was watching the thing, he was good about being like, look, this is what the steers said but this was on me. You know, he was very like open about what was his creative decision, what he decided to do. And then saying like, Hey, look, not my intention to like disappoint you guys. I want to entertain. I didn't do that. Sorry. Like that's on me. And I got to give him credit for that. It probably takes a lot to do that. <laughs> well, his, like, his name was forever stuck to this. Like anytime somebody thought of Joel Schumacher, this is the movie that they thought of and they thought, oh, and just, you know, get out of here. I mean, yeah, he worked after this, but he, he was never, he never had mainstream success again. He didn't have like, another you know, Lost Boys, you know? Even that I'm not that hot on. You shut your dirty mouth. <laughs> ah, um, I was going to say something about, uh, oh yeah. However, Arnold Schwarzenegger has nothing but fond memories of this, which makes me laugh because he got paid like a shit ton of dough, never acted on set with anybody and just, you know, was blue, did some ice puns, went home considerably richer. And he's like, I got to make a comic book movie. <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> Fathered his secret child. He had a great time. Yeah, he has been fucking killing it for 40 years. <laughs> Good for him, you know. Say what you want about all that, you know, all that shit, but he's he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's who he is. 
Yeah, and look, I grew up loving him as a kid, so I still love a lot of his movies. Yeah. I know. I wish somebody had told him to put that cookie down, but clearly no one did. <laughs> oh, someone did. He just he did. got real aroused by how it was told to him. <laughs> I still am amazed that he was able to keep this baby a secret, a baby who looked exactly fucking like him until the kid was an adult. <laughs> it's it's truly a miracle that that even happened. I mean, I'm not condoning what he did at all, but holy fuck. <laughs> just come on really (laughs) whatever it's yeah it's uh ridiculous but i am glad he had a good time playing mr freeze and i'm hoping with this whole multiverse thing happening with the flash movie maybe one day get a a little cameo a little freeze cameo i would love that he would do it again you know he would do it oh yeah he would (laughs) like imagine the end like the post-credit scene of like um, like a Michael Keaton new Batman movie and you just hear like ice to see you Batman or something like that off screen and you're like oh shit <laughs> and then a freeze gun like gets him <laughs> tell me we wouldn't all be super excited I'd be like just give me that sequel now at this point like his freeze has become just like an inadvertent delight because of how ridiculously stupid it is it really, like, I'll get more into it later, but he does really liven up this fucking movie. Because <laughs> he's the only one having a good time, apparently. Yeah, I mean, if you gave me, like, $80 million and said, I'm going to paint you blue and you're going to make ice puns for about six months, I'd be like, fucking, you know, break it up. Paint me up, man. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Well, it's that effect that if you, he's actually trying. He's giving it his all. With these fucking ice puns, it's fantastic. There's some, there's some that are like a little chill, like a little chilly. You know what I mean? But uh, I was, I did not go into that expecting to make an ice pun, but it just, I found it along the way. Anyway, it's what happens like, when you watch this movie. Like when he's, you know, taking on the the dinosaur slash like vase <laughs> slash diamond museum exhibit. I don't know, and um, he's like, you know, the 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 guard asks for mercy, and he like, you know. I'm afraid my condition has left me cold to your mercy. I don't know why, but the delivery on that always gives me chills. <laughs> God damn you. It's too easy. I get I get it. It's too easy. <laughs> it's right there. There's gold in the streets. How am I expected not to scoop it up? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, is, is there any final words you'd like to say before we move on to the... Uh... To our version of the Razzies here. I bet George Clooney gets on his hands and knees and thanks the Coen brothers every single day of his life because three three years later, he got the O Brothers script and his career diverted from blockbusters into the indie scene and he never looked back. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting at all, but I like it. <laughs> on that note... <laughs> Like I said, let's it. Now that we've, you know, we talked about behind the scenes for a bit here, let's give out some awards and after see if there is a servo lining. So, first up, the worst scene, or as I really, we, it was a unanimous decision here, as we call it, the Zack Snyder. The Zack Snyder Award. Zack 
So see, even if you don't talk about him on sneak preview, he's going to pop up like every week consistently for this award. I'm okay with that because what this is is a weekly shit on his career, and I can I can work with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. Um, do you do you want to start or should I? You know what? I will be nice. I'll let my co-host go. Oh, thank you. How generous. Uh, the worst scene in Batman and Robin. That is like having to pick your favorite child. It's impossible. <laughs> it's it's just not. But I found a way because there's one scene in this movie that I, for the life of me, will never understand why it's here. And it is the motorcycle race where we see Coolio show up randomly and uh, Batgirl and Robin have a bit of a uh, rigged motorcycle race through the Gotham underbelly. Why is this here? I don't care. I want more Freeze and Batman and Poison Ivy. Anything else? I don't know why Coolio's here. I don't know why there's clockwork orange droogs walking around in the background. That guy is like, how much you got? Like, there's so much bad shit in this scene alone. It just, you could take it out and nothing would change. One, I actually almost put this scene on my list. And I opted not to. I picked something else. And two, Coolio, I found out in my research, that was a Jonathan Crane cameo. Schumacher had plans to make him Scarecrow in the next film. Are you fucking kidding me? No. What the hell? In what world does that make sense? Oh, my God. Dr. Jonathan Crane, Arkham scientist, expert on fear, moonlights as a pimp in the Gotham underbelly. And secretly astounding rapper. Oh, my God. Is he? I don't know if I'd call Coolio an astounding rapper. He certainly is a rapper. I don't know. He does that job. <laughs> oh my god! I know this. The scene, like it's like you said, you could just take it out of the movie and be fine. Like it, the most he is, he found out that she's a thrill seeker, and you could have easily found that out any other way than this. Well, they could have done something a little bit more interesting, you know. I mean, something that made sense instead of just saying like, "Oh." Motorcycles. Motorcycles are cool. All right. Motorcycles. It's I guarantee you that's how it went down. Yeah. And then let's race across these like really high bridges that like I don't know the I don't know where ground is in Gotham City ever. He's got these like Adonis statues that are like 300 feet tall holding up observatories. What is with the architecture of this city? I, I don't know, like, did the, the, the Earth, like, and then, that's why I'm talking about the fact that, like, Poison Ivy's stuff, like, they don't establish that it takes place outside of Gotham when she's first introduced, so, like, where the fuck was she at in Gotham that it's the jungle? I think it was supposed to be just some vague South America, because Bane was a Hispanic dude, and that is all I've got. That's my evidence. It's all right. <laughs> it's not a well-written film. There's no, I can, only, I, I can only do what I, I can only do my best. I was like, that was okay. You know what? I'll, I'll take it. God damn it. What's your worst scene? My worst scene. Um, it might be a little cliche. A lot of people probably agree, but it, I had to go with it. The zoomed close-up shots of them suiting up. It is so goddamn unnecessary. 
It lingers on shots that I don't want lingered on. And after, let me tell you, like watching this, and then I I watched Labyrinth afterward. I was like, I've had enough dick in movies for the rest uh, of my goddamn life. That is a heavily padded double feature right there. I'm a lot of bulge, a lot of cod pieces, a lot of badass. It's, it's just like uh, like. I'm not trying to be that person that's like, well, he did it because he's clearly, you know, he's an out-of-proud director. But you're watching, you're kind of like, Schumacher, are you doing this less for the audience and more for you? Because, like, you're zooming in on dick, ass, and then fat nipples. Like, we don't need those zooms in, those zoom-ins. We don't, we don't need it. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Wachowskis are transgender. The you know Pedro Almodovar is gay. Uh, Gus Van Sant is gay, but they're not shoving leather like leather fetishes into our face with our favorite superheroes having nipples and anatomically correct ass on on the suit. We just we don't need it. We we don't need it. You know, the Burton films didn't do that. Like, it's yeah. I don't. I, I don't want to kink shame. But at the same time, I kind of do. So, fuck it. I'm not going to kink shape here because it's not weird. I mean, those who like BDSM, they like leather. Yeah, that's all the power to you. But personally, I don't. I don't need to see it on Batman. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, look, man, look, Joe, Joel, buddy, pal. What you do when you go home is what you do when you go home. I don't need it in your movie. The weirdest thing about it, though, is that Warner Brothers wanted to sell toys to children, but they were perfectly okay with Schumacher just showing up with, you know, a, like Batman and Robin in fucking gimp suits, pretty much. Right? And they, they watched this and went, mm-hmm, this is fine. This is fine. Keep going. Keep, yep. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. I just want to point out, by the way, um, $160 million budget. And for anyone else, like, because I know if you look on Wikipedia, I think the, the box office is like 243 or something like that. But like, well, Probably. made over. Yeah, but if you had any marketing costs and stuff, this film did not make its profit back. And if it did, it wasn't a lot. Yeah. Connor Gatling, vote on me. All right. Well, with that, I think we can move on to our next award, known as the worst line, or as we're going to call it, the Ed Wood. Now, I want to point out that as I'm calling it the Ed Wood, I understand that there's a lot of love for this director in Hollywood because admittedly to his credit he very much committed to his films because he just wanted to make movies so in a weird sort of way while this is going to celebrate some of the worst fucking lines of dialogue I've heard in my life in a weird way this is the only one that's me I'm not entirely shitting on the director here because I'll give this director credit for what he was doing with his craft even though he did make some notoriously bad films 
I've got no hate for Ed Wood. He, you know, he followed his own vision. He did what he wanted to do. It just so happened he had zero talent in any of it. And you know what? I can relate to that. Yeah. So we've all bitten off more than we could chew at our dream. Yeah. So to point that out here, at least for this this our first episode. Yeah. Um, in the in the future, you know, I'm sure we'll tackle some Ed Wood films. I mean, it, I don't know if he's considered, you know, an, an icon. I guess he's an iconic director at this point. But you know, he showed some love to Bella Lugosi in his twilight years when no one else was. So he's a he's a good dude, solid dude. Had a good group of friends. They made movies they that they loved. However, he was a absolutely terrible screenwriter and director, and that has to be acknowledged. Yes, <laughs> it must. <laughs> but that said, much like uh, Oscar Sunday, uh, I forgot to tell you, but you're fine having up to th- three throats. I assume I have two. Okay, so I have two, and I forgot to tell you. So, with that said, what are your two, my friend? Uh, Again, like the worst line of Batman and Robin? Jesus. I mean, the whole damn script could be here. Uh, But there's two specific ones that just had my eyes rolling so far into the back of my head, I thought I was going to go blind. Uh, The first one comes from the, um, the auction of women to a bunch of rich billionaires, which already it's like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and, uh, Poison Ivy shows up and it's like, I'm hotter than all these bitches. Vote for me. And everyone, including the J. Jonah Jameson knockoff guy is like, I'll bid $500,000. And um, yeah, he looks exactly like J.K. Simmons in Spider-Man. I, to this day. I'm laughing at your, your, uh, your version of his voice. <laughs> It just kind of happens. I don't plan this shit. It just happens. Um, so Batman and Robin start bidding on Poison Ivy and Batman whips out his fucking credit card and says, never leave the cave without it. Oh, uh, I, I almost wrote this down. I said, nope, I have other ones I want. So I'm glad I didn't now. <laughs> it's this it's the situation. It's the cha-ching noise when it comes out. The fact that the expiration date says forever. And the fucking the play on the Amex uh, slogan. It's also not, to, you know, they're both blatantly revealing that Batman happens to be a millionaire, which there's only one fucking millionaire in Gotham City. So way to just broadcast your identity to the public there. The media is right next to you, Bruce. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, Bruce. There's that one. And then my other one comes from Freeze. It's when Ivy decides to partner up with Freeze despite the fact that their plans make zero sense together. He wants to freeze the world. She wants to start life anew. You can't do that when the world's fucking frozen, but whatever. Um, And she proposes, you know, rebirth. And he just says, Adam and evil. Uh, (laughs) It's so cringy. It's I can't even look at the fucking screen. The only reason I did not put a single thing of Schwarzenegger signs down on mine, well, hint as to mine too, um, it's because he delivers them with so much like commitment and glee, but no, that that is yeah, that's that's a fucking corny one. Like the eye, his eye strokes were better than that. Yeah, it was just it was unnecessary. It was stupid, and ugh, yeah. All right, well, mine, like you said, man, it was just kind of tough. There's just a lot of bad lines. I had I kind of had one already planned that I was like I'm gonna put this because I've always fucking hated it, and then one that as I was watching I was like I gotta put this because if 
fuck this line. This two-sentence line, really. Um, the first one is George Clooney saying, I'm Batman. <laughs> and I put that here because that is the it's in we've had oh, what five, six Batmans now? As live action like, film. Uh, there was yeah, Adam West, action. Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Affleck, and Pattinson. How many did you just count? Six. Okay. I was like, I didn't see your fingers. Yeah, my mistake. I was looking track. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> right. So we'll, for right now, we'll say five because we haven't seen uh, the upcoming one. And I think all he says in the trailer is, I'm vengeance. But you know what? Even that, when he says, I'm vengeance, is more, sounds more committed on him than how George Clooney says this fucking line. This, to me, is the worst, like, rendition of the I'm Batman line by any of the actors. Like, you do not feel one bit that George Clooney himself believes he's fucking Batman. Before we get too far, I have to point out, I don't think I counted Christian Bale. Oh, shit, you did it. God damn it. My mistake. So it's six. With Pattinson will be number seven then. Okay. All right. I agree with you entirely. He, his I'm Batman is so fucking uncommitted and casual. It's like he's on a first date. <laughs> it's so weird. I'm Batman. It's literally like you you can miss it. Like it's that bad. Like usually like you know when the line's coming up in the movie, you're like, okay, he's about to say it. And then like they say it, you're like, yeah. <laughs> and this one is just like, oh shit, he already said it. Like, like when the fuck did that happened. To me personally, that line represents the moment the actor becomes Batman, the moment that actor steps into the shoes of that role, you know, Keaton had his great moment. He started this whole thing. The, the trend of I'm Batman. Uh, Christian Bale had like, I think the best one. <laughs> when he pulls Falcone out of the car and just like, I'm Batman right in his face. Oh, that was Fuck. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember Kilmer's and I don't remember Affleck's either, but Clooney just sliding down a dinosaur. Like, hi, freeze. I'm Batman. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't believe it. Jesus. You are that man. You're not Batman. Yeah. I, and like I said, the fact that like in the upcoming, like for the upcoming film, right, that um, fucking God damn it. Robert Pattinson, Jesus Christ. Like, I might have liked on him. Robert Pattinson could, do, he, again, we don't, we haven't heard him say it yet because I've seen the movie. But, you know, he says that line in the trailer, they're like, who are you? And you beat the shit out of that dude. And you just hear him go, I'm vengeance. The way he delivers that makes me go, this is fucking Batman. He didn't even say it. This is fucking Batman, guys. Uh, dude, I have I have high expectations, but I have, I'm pretty sure they're going to be paid off. That movie looks incredible. Yeah. And did, you hear, did you hear about uh, the Penguin miniseries we're getting with it? I've heard it's been, like I guess, confirmed, because I kind of knew about it already. Like, I yeah. remember them talking about it, but I guess they confirmed it. Colin Farrell came out and said that he's going to be starring in a Penguin kind of prequel like miniseries that talks about how Oswald Cobblepot became a boss in the Gotham underbelly. He must fucking enjoy playing that character. You can like, kind of tell like the scene where he's like, I got you in the trailer. Like he's having fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh yeah. I could tell like if he's not in that whole movie, I, I, well, he's not in the whole movie. I know he said he's on like, he's actually not even a huge chunk of it. It sounds like he's going to make it fucking worth the small amount that he's in though. Well, he's probably, you know, he's in it for the long haul. Going to be one of those, you know, setup villains. Penguin will probably be the bad guy in part two or one of the bad guys. 
Yeah. Ah, yeah. It's nice. Oh. It's nice to have good Batman again. Right. <laughs> good to not be in this era anymore. <laughs> as for my second line, oh boy, as, this was the one that like as soon as it like I heard, it, I was like, I'm going to fucking punch this guy in the face. And that's when Robin is bitching and says, I want a Robin signal in the sky. I'm tired of living in your shadow. And the way it's delivered, and I almost say this right, I don't think Chris O'Donnell is like terrible in these two films by any means. Like I I've seen worse acting in like from what should be good actors. Um but like the way that line is delivered and just like the whole thing, I want a Robin signals guy, like that's your that that that's what's gonna cause you to blow up, that you don't have your own little signal there. Cupcake, you gonna you gonna be okay? You, you, do you need a, a little bit to write those tears? You want the world's smallest violin to play for you? Like, no, you're Robin. You ain't fucking Batman, bro. Oh, if Ro- I, I, I think of like you know Kevin Conroy's Batman, who I think is the definitive Batman across all mediums. If Robin had bitched to him like this, his ass is booted out. Tim Drake is on the board. <laughs> like, no, you don't talk. To the, you don't talk to Batman, the billionaire who's letting you live rent free in his house. Like, shut the fuck up and play ball. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you leave that house, you literally have nothing because you have no money, Robin. He's literally bankrolling your entire life to help you out there, bud. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. I know his name is Dick Grayson, but when B- Batman Bruce is trying to convince him that Ivy's like a threat, and he goes, "She's trying to kill you, Dick." It's sound, yeah, it, I, I always like the, the, the wording there. That, that that's a line that is this was like list of favorite lines that would have been on there for me. That, <laughs> it cracks me up so much. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. All right. Good Should I move on to the next award? Why not? Let's do it. Now that we've talked about the worst line, let's talk about the worst performance. The Steven Seagal. Which I feel is like the most fitting actor for this because I, dear God. I once read that Steven Seagal became a movie star as the result of a bet. That there was this uh, producer who bet another producer that it was like trading places that he could turn any Joe Schmo into a movie star, no matter how unlikable or uncharismatic they are. And the other guy's like, well, I happen to know this local karate instructor who's just a ball of fucking grease who knows nothing about charisma. Let's do that. Lo and behold, that's the reason we've got Steven Seagal. <laughs> I hope to God that was true. I hope so. I didn't fact check it because I love the story so much. <laughs> oh, God. It would make sense. God, I, what was that? I remember when I was watching Machete and he did the, like, that fight scene at the end. And I was like, there's no way. I get this whole movie is meant to be like a funny joke, and I'm, I was on on board for the entire first movie. Yeah, I was like, "There's no way that was planned, though." Like him fighting at the, fighting at the end, I was like, "That had to be because he's just that terrible." They just had to work with what they had. A, that Seagal's pushing three fifty, and he's fighting a, a like a trim, muscular Danny Trejo, and there's even a like a balance of power in that fight. And B, to cast Steven Seagal as a fucking mexican cartel lord are you kidding me the whitest motherfucker well 
I feel like that was part of the joke, that part. I hope it was a joke. Honestly, I can never tell these days. Well, uh, and that's because I, I say that because like it's based off the Grindhouse, like you know, the films. So it's that's meant true. to be a Grindhouse film. So that's, that's why I say true. like I feel like that part was a joke. I don't know if that whole fight scene though was a part of the joke. I wonder if that was like they had to work with what they had. In a movie where like a woman literally like shoves a cell phone up her vagina, I probably shouldn't be that worried about Steven Seagal playing a Mexican guy. You're good point. Good point. Anyway, yeah, he's a joke. He's never made a good movie in his career, and he keeps like cracking them out. He's the king of the five dollar DVD bin at Walmart. (laughs) So perfect for this award. Yes. And there are contenders for this one. Uh, hard to pick who really bombs it the hardest in this one. Uh, but I had to go with my gut. I have always hated Alicia Silverstone in this movie. Uh, Batgirl got ripped to shreds. Such a great character in DC's catalog got eviscerated and turned into a joke in this movie. And I just, I hate that. Uh, I'm hoping HBO Max's movie does better for the character. Honestly, they couldn't do worse. Uh, her, her line delivery is so stilted. She has some of the worst one-liners. Her chemistry is terrible with everybody. And she's just unnecessary. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, too, because, like, you know, you watch something like Clueless, and she's hilarious. Like, you know, I've, I've, thanks, like, back when my parents likes movies, that was a, a movie my mom really enjoyed. And so I, I saw it a couple of times, mainly because I like I came on and saw Paul Rudd first. I was like, ooh, what's this? <laughs> like, Paul Rudd's in it. It's like, oh, Clues, I don't watch it. She's generally like really funny. She plays the part well. I don't know what the fuck happened here. Well, kind of do the script probably. And maybe it's maybe it's like uh, you know, Hayden Christensen's problem in the Star Wars prequels. You know, no matter how good an actor you are, if the dialogue's that shitty, no one can sell it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, like, I, like you said, it's like you could definitely, like you were saying about Batgirl being such a great character, you could feel, again, how we were talking about earlier with this film, canceling so much playing shit. You feel that hard with this character because we, I would say this is now the only character that has yet to pop up live action again until very recently here soon with the HBO Max uh, movie. Like, I, I think they've used her in the in the cartoon movies, I believe. But, like, live action? Yeah, like, live action? Like, no. Like, this movie, like, effectively killed anyone being yeah. interested in seeing a live action back door. You can thank, like, TV shows like Gotham and Titans for kind of revamping some of these characters on the small screen. But, yeah, uh, Barbara Gordon as she's supposed to be in the comics, not Barbara Wilson. I don't know why they did that, why they didn't, why they took away the connection to the commissioner who you've had there for four movies. But But, um, yeah, Barbara Gordon, I think popped up in the birds of prey show that was short lived on a WB. And other than that, I don't think she's ever popped up live action again. Yeah. It's sex. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, you know, luckily Gotham, the ones who haven't had a movie they popped up here on Gotham like Mr. Freeze or like I've been watching it uh Titans the live action Titans you know he uh they have Dick Grayson's Robin slash Nightwing on it so he and he's the main character so he's had a big like 
you know, push there. So it's like, you know, luckily they've all had this push, but not fucking Batgirl, man. Like this movie like really effectively like killed her character live action wise. Again, we've gotten lucky in the fact that we are finally in the Batgirl movie, not with Josh Reading attached anymore. Um so hopefully we're about to have like she'll have her second coming and we get a badass background movie and people can latch on to this character like they should. Yeah, I'm, I've got high hopes for that. I think, you know, we, we're getting Brendan Fraser as Firefly. Like that alone is like, oh, cool. OK. And uh, yeah, I think as long as they, you know, do the character justice, you know, show Barbara Gordon's, you know, ferocity, her commitment to justice. And then, you know, if they want to do the eventually, if this becomes a franchise, do the transition into the Oracle. No, I just I hope it works out. I want to see that character done correctly. Yeah, and um, and actually, she wasn't Batgirl, but they did have Robert Gordon in the recent season at the time. She just never became Batgirl, but she was Barbara Gordon, and they made a lot of reference to Oracle in the show. There was a lot of Oracle references, so like they at least had that aspect. So she is getting like their steam coming back on this character. Luckily, good. Um, good to hear. Yeah, I think a lot of the issues here was that um, from what I was watching, Schumacher kind of threw her into this movie because he wanted to attract a female audience as well. So <laughs> there wasn't any real story incentive. Just let's get some females into this movie. God, that guy really loved Dick, didn't he? Uh, moving on. <laughs> oh, that said, <laughs> my pick... To some, might seem controversial because he is an acclaimed, loved, established actor. Yep. But I can't. I I have to call it as it is, and that is George Clooney in this fucking movie. Okay, it's kind of hammer home with that Batman line. Most of this film, he seems so fucking disinterested, and it's just not giving a solid performance at all. Like, especially as Batman. Like, dear God, do I never feel him as like a menacing threat to these villains or menacing presence that they should fear at any point i i just i don't feel it at all anytime he's batman he i was more intimidated of, by adam west <laughs> i mean who isn't it's adam west <laughs> fair enough yeah um he kind of lines up a little bit as bruce wayne but i think that's just because like i feel like that role's easier from the play because I'm just huge George Clooney is in real life. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And that's not a dig. Like, the guy's a classy man. He's aging like fine wine. I'll say it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but even then, like, he's still, like, I, I never feel like he's fully there. Yeah, it's the Bruce Wayne scenes. Like, the big moment with Alfred getting sick and dying, I never feel like he's actually, like, that sad for someone who he very much considers family <coughs> so it's like he just it's not like i can't get into his fucking character at all because i feel like he's not committed yeah straight up and i think that he just you know he accept you know fresh off of er he's like you know a heartthrob he wants to be a movie star it ain't difficult and batman and robin comes across his desk and he's like they want me to be batman oh my god that's a huge role you know michael keaton was batman val kilmer <coughs> was batman and i guess at the time that was a big deal 
And Clooney's like, I'll take it. And then he gets to set and he's like, oh, this is terrible. This is horrible. This script is abysmal. What have I done to my career? So I bet the whole time he's just worried that this is going to be the last time anyone sees him on camera. I think that's what it is. And yeah, amazingly, he survived the nuclear explosion that took out so many careers. And uh, I bet, yeah, I love that he's, you know, he's humble about it. He's like, yeah, that movie was terrible. I'm sorry I'm in it. I'm sorry you hated it. I'll give you your money back. And the poster in the office just makes me happy. Like, it constantly reminds you of the biggest failure you ever had as as an actor. Like, keep that in your head, you know? It keeps him down to earth. I, I like that. But yeah, he is fucking horrible as Batman. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like, I love his approach to how he approaches it now. Yeah. Yeah, performance-wise, it's so for that movie, it's just like, dear God. I wonder, you know, if Michael Keaton, like, went and saw Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and was like, yeah, I made the right decision. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm Batman and I can brag about that. Like, the only two actors who can brag about their Batman tenure are Michael Keaton and Christian Bale. Like, everyone else is like, ugh. Possibly three, depending on this new movie. Even so, Affleck still got Batman v Superman and Justice League, like, hanging over him at all times. Yeah. I was talking about uh, Robert Pattinson, possibly, with the new movie. I was thinking about Affleck's turn in the flash. But yeah, Pattinson, I don't think, has anything to worry about. No, I I I keep I just keep bringing that up because I really want people to stop being like, "Ooh, the toilet guy is a good actor, folks." Trust yeah. me, dude. Watch indie in, shit. In '89, Michael Keaton was the goofy dude from Beetlejuice who had done a couple of like low budget comedies, and then he was Batman. <laughs> so, you know, give people a chance first. They're called actors. Uh, they do this thing called acting. Yeah. So. This may shock you, but Robert Pattinson is not actually a vampire. <laughs> I, you know, okay, quick aside before we go on to like the last category. I had someone at work. They were, he was recommending a movie. Oh, he's recommending Darnie Darko. Yeah. And the, the guy, and he, you know, the guy's like, is that the one with Jake Gyllenhaal? And we're like, yeah. He's like, is he gay? And we're like, no. Why do you ask? He's like, well, yeah, he did that movie, Broke Back. And, you know, he like he was like really convincing or something like that. And I remember like usually I'm quiet because I just don't like to like do it. Like people that just they Idiots. have that mindset. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that old school mindset. Like an actor can't act gay, like as if they're not still act whatever. But I kind of stopped from him. I was like, he was he's an actor. Like, I was like, he's an actor, dude. He was acting. It's like no, but that I was like, he's a fucking actor. Oh my God. Like, it's it's called acting. I was like, he wasn't actually fucking Heath Ledger. <laughs> I was like, that would be porn. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain is not a documentary. Sylvester Stallone is not a boxer. Like, Chris Evans is not a super soldier. Jake Gyllenhaal is not a gay cowboy. Are you are you kidding me? Like, do, are we really? This twenty. This is actually as of this release. It's twenty twenty two. Are we really talking about this? Yeah. We really not understand what acting is. Oh my God. Do you think that when Godzilla destroys Tokyo, they have to rebuild the city every single time? Is that what you think? <laughs> like, are, you, are we serious with this? 
an Independence really Day scared? that the whole like every landmark on Earth just blew up, and you think that nobody ever talked about it again? That 2012 actually happened like it did in the movie. Dear God, I've never heard of secondhand stupid that strong. I'm I'm amazed. Yeah, it's just like, and to me, it's like that, and also it's, it's like it's ignorant. Like it's it's like it says 2022. Like, are you still that hung up on like people being gay? Like, dude, who gives a fuck? Yeah, if that is 100 percent to- your hang up that you need to deal with. And clearly you're not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. One, he's an actor. And two, even if he was gay, who gives a shit if Jake wants to suck some dick? If he I don't care. He, I makes him care. a better he's actor, like, you know, suck them all. Yeah, I was like, if anything, I'm concerned for any man that wants to suck his dick because he doesn't like to shower. <laughs> Big Gosh. old callback to the sneak preview with that one. Yeah, the ongoing... Showering celebrities versus non-showering celebrities debate. And I say ongoing, and I can't believe I fucking have to. <laughs> but this is a, a story that won't go away. Yeah, there are some stanky-ass celebrities out there. And yeah. Nick Gyllenhaal's one of them. If anything, Keith Ledger was probably really grossed out by having to fake or kiss him on camera. I'm hoping this is a recent thing and not something he's been doing his entire fucking life, because that's, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) getting back on that tangent, let's go. I am real quick. I am kind of amazed neither of us picked Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. I don't completely hate him. Like, I feel like he is legit trying in both movies. It's just like he's handed some terrible dialogue. That's true. Like, I really don't hate him. I just think it's the dialogue he's given is awful. And it's just, it, and yeah, like I, I know, like I said, George Clooney is George Clooney, but it's just like, it's, it's hard for me to say like, oh, no, this is a good performance. It's like, no, he's clearly disinterested. And it's just like, I just, this is, I still consider him to be the worst fucking Batman. Yeah. I mean, he's got some stiff competition. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. All right, and now for the last award. Worst filmmaking decision, or as the only man that I could call this after, the Michael Bay. Is he the worst at making decisions when it comes to movies? I, I think so. I thought so, yeah. He, his teleprompter broke, and he couldn't tell you why he makes films, so yes. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, I think few directors are as synonymous with just mindless Hollywood fluff. I mean, even his look, he looks like Hollywood's worst aspects manifested into a human being. <laughs> so, yeah, this this was, yeah, worst filmmaking decision. So this can be anything, you know, uh, a line, uh, an action, uh, casting, uh, anything. The decision involved in the filmmaking process, the worst one. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> so I could have gone any number of avenues with this. I could have gone with the horrific disservice this film does to Bane. Uh, you know, an iconic character, a brilliant strategist reduced to a pro wrestler with green makeup going, Bane! It's a, it's a joke. I could have gone with 
uh, you know, turning the brilliant and calculating Mr. Freeze into a conveyor belt of ice puns. But honestly, the worst thing this film does is the way they write Robin. I, I fucking hate what they do to Robin in this movie. They turn him into a whiny bitch with no gratitude, no, like, completely un, un, unrelatable, unlikable. He's constantly bitching about trust, yet he is constantly distrustful of Batman. Like, pick a lane, bro. And the way that's kind of rectified is kind of out of the blue, spur of the moment, and doesn't feel earned. And it's just a terrible subplot throughout the entire movie. Uh, yeah, Robin. Yeah, no, you're, you know, there's always the jokes, right, about like the different Robins and especially Dick Grayson being kind of like the whiny one. And I think a lot of that, I'm sure it was in the comics, but I think a lot of that stems from this fucking film. Be- to be fair, Dick Grayson, not considered the whiny one in the comics. The whiny one in the comics is Jason Todd. Oh, that's right. That's why he got killed off. Yeah. Dick Grayson is like Batman's like son, his successor, like the best Robin. That's right. Sorry. Long fucking day. Uh, no, yeah. And it's just like, especially because, again, like, well, like I said, I'm watching, you know, Titans. And, you know, one of the biggest things with that is the Robin in that point in the show very much wants to distance himself from Batman. Like he has some beef with his mentor in Bruce Wayne slash Batman. But he, they, it was like they were actively working on that show to make sure he was, yeah, he's pissed. He broods a bit, but he's not whiny. Like you get to understand why he feels the way he does towards Bruce Wayne, towards Batman. So you, you understand it. And this one is just like the whole time, you're like, dude, shut the fuck up. You're just whiny. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's hard to believe that Batman would ever associate himself, whatever brings somebody this polarizing into his inner circle. Like, this is your sidekick who's bitching about the fact that he doesn't have his own signal in this guy. Right? And I know a lot of this is Poison Ivy hyping up his issues, but he was like this way before they met Poison Ivy. So I don't blame yeah, he had, her entirely. No, because he had that whole scene where they're chasing Mr. Freeze and Batman like locks up his bike and he just yells into the sky. Ah, yeah, <laughs> on the ah. thumb of a giant Adonis statue. <laughs> mm. God, you, I God, you could have put the ar- architecture as a, fil- as a filmmaking decision for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I know. Like we did Batman Returns on the Film Gasm podcast a while ago, and Austin remarked about how much he adores Tim Burton's uh, production design of Gotham City in his two movies. And yeah, I think it has a very distinct style of like kind of modern versus old, kind of 50s versus 80s. It's all hybridized into a really unique Gotham, whereas Schumacher's Gotham is just completely made up on the fly. There's very little thought thrown into it. There's neon lights, there's giant statues, there's like apartment buildings next to skyscrapers. It doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, like you said, like, Byrne took elements that should not have worked to make a city in his Batmans, but made it to where, like, you wanted to you wanted to go visit that city, at least. Yeah. And, like, actually kind of visit that ward, because you were that interested in the production design on his Gotham. Schumacher, in an attempt to 
you know, put his stamp on it, did in a way that made me go, how is this? Like, I, I don't want to visit that city because I'm just through both. And it's the same thing when I watch Batman Forever. I'm just sitting there going, how the fuck do you get anywhere in the city? Does, does it have a bottom? Does it just sink into the core of the earth? Like, what the fuck is going on with the design of this goddamn city? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Um, so what is your, what do you think is the worst decision made in this film? Mine, it took me a minute and I went with the old standby that we all talk about to this day. The bat nipples. It, you know, okay. Since I recently watched Labyrinth, you notice David Bowie's bulge. And he, in a weird sort of way, it's it's haunting, but you can't stop looking. But it's not the worst filmmaking decision ever. If anything, it's a power move that I appreciate that they're doing. <laughs> a power move. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm going to show my dick in this kid's movie and you can't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> so, if anything, I kind of respect what's happening here. Not the case with Bat Nipples. It's, <laughs> it's a move that, like, I like, the, like that bulge. I see it. I can't look away from the nipples, except it's not because I'm like, okay, okay. I'm sort of going, why? 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 Are there two clearly defined? fucking nipples on this goddamn suit like i didn't ask for it i didn't want it i you already have like the cod piece that is trying to give off the vibe of a bulge and the constant like ass shots going on and then i'm like i don't need the nipple it's a fucking bat suit i don't need these things it's a goddamn suit to make sure he doesn't die when he fights i was like and let's be honest like in real life you're still going to die in that suit because that suit's probably not something you want to wear like so just fucking don't worry about the nipples. <laughs> yeah, the suit is, you know, Batman's suit is supposed to be, you know, heavily armored, you know, protective. Of, um, it's got, you know, the gadgets, the utility belt and all that. His looks like just, you know, a thin layer of rubber. It's, it's gross. And the cod piece is so unna- un- unnaturally big. It makes them both look like they've got testicular cancer. <laughs> it's just seeing the South Park episode now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that episode. Ah, God, Randy, your balls. Like, I know, smoking weed right in front of a cop. <laughs> I like oh. when he's trying to get inside and he can't. Like, just, just like bring it over here. No, so I, it has to be inside. <laughs> I like when he figures it out and he just, you see him bouncing down this down the sidewalk and he's just like oh, 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 like laughing bouncing on his balls like it's a uh yeah that was that was a, like one of my best that was one of the best episodes i love that episode yeah well <sighs> all right the copy this was another thing they brought up in the in the um, the bonus features apparently like George and them were joking around last week because i guess chris o'donnell o- o'donnell whatever Paid someone extra to make his cod piece bigger. And so they won't do it to Clooney's, but Clooney's like, it's fine because it makes my ass look good. And I'm like, I don't care about any of this, guys. I don't give a I don't give a shit in my superhero film about any of this. I have never once when reading a Batman comic, when playing a Batman game, when watching a Batman movie, 
when having Batman fucking breakfast cereal, whatever it is, not once have I ever saw a picture of Batman and Robin and thought, who's got the bigger dick? <laughs> that question has never wandered through my head. What the fuck, guys? Ah, <laughs> uh, and you know, I guess like we should I kind of touch on, but like I'm sure there are parts of people like, well, what if it was a female superhero? I was like, I want let then day, I want a super superhero to wear a practical fucking costume. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't fine. thinking of Batgirl's dick either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get your point. Yeah, I, I don't I, don't glorify parts like this costume's meant to be practical, right? Because I think what was it when Wonder Woman came out? A lot of, and a lot of like real fucking shitheads online like oh, Gal Gadot doesn't have big tits. That's not why I'm tuning into Wonder Woman. I was like, if you want that, look up porn. They they got you. They got you here and there, buddy. I'm like, but if you're paying to see an actual fucking movie, I just want someone that does the part good in a practical fucking suit. It makes goddamn sense for them to be wearing. Yeah. I look at the same thing. I look for the same thing from a superhero movie as I do for every other genre of film I watch. Is it entertaining? Is it good? Is it well-written? All of this. Is, it's all I care about. And yeah. Batman and Robin, no, no, no. No. And like I said, I'm joking about like the bat nipples and cockpit. I'm like, look, guys, if you want to make your Batman porn, like, Go do that instead. Leave it out of this actual Batman movie. <laughs> Just, I feel like Joel Schumacher would have directed a fucking fantastic Batman porno. He probably would have. I mean, we probably wouldn't want to watch it. So I kind of a feeling it's gay. It it's a gay porno, it. but it is. It's probably spectacular. <laughs> I mean, where else would you want? Nipples on a bat suit and a giant cod piece. That's where that's that this was his calling and he missed it. <laughs> You're not wrong, though. That's the thing. <laughs> God damn. Oh, this this is the best show. Okay. Um, yeah, All the right. nipples. I nearly went with the nipples, but I just Robin's characterization in this film is a fucking travesty, and I could ignore it. I didn't, yeah, no, I didn't even uh, think about that. I was just so, I think it's because, like I said, every time the suits were, I'm just like, yep, for the nipples, they're yeah. right there. It makes me think, again, with South Park, <coughs> the guys who, like, were running the internet in South Park, and they're like, oh, you know, hearing complaints, and they're like, oh, sorry, we're so sorry, and they're, like, opening their flaps and, like, rubbing their nipples. <laughs> That's what I think of every time I see those. God damn it. That was a good episode. <coughs> Woo! All right, well, we've spent a fair amount of time shitting on this film. So now, briefly, Connor, I want us to take away the shit caps, if you will. I'll come up with a better term later. Um, and let's find something. Let's find that server lining, something that we can take away that we did enjoy about this film. I'll let you go first. The silver lining uh, is something you brought up at the beginning of the show. And it's the fact that if this movie hadn't bombed so hard, we never would have gotten the Dark Knight trilogy. Because those are three of the greatest Batman, greatest superhero movies ever made. Still rewatchable, so fantastic. And they would not exist had Batman and Robin not fallen so hard off the goddamn hill and broken its neck. So thank you for that. 
that's a good one. I think that's stumbled off the hill and broke its goddamn. I feel like it did more than that when it stumbled down the hill. I just picture him black sheep when Chris Farley can't stop falling down the hill, except he doesn't live at the end. <laughs> Some dude just comes and says, here lies Batman and Robin. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Mine, it's not as uh, deep as that is. <laughs> Mine is um, who we mentioned earlier. The one person that I mentioned seems to actually kind of get the material and just be having the time of his life, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, this is not the definitive fucking version of Freeze by any means, and I understand that completely. But God, does he know how to deliver a pun? I mean, it, he got handed a script of puns and like looks at them and went like, I got you, and delivered every single one that would apply. It does not matter how bad the pun was or how good he delivered every single time. I like to think that he took one look at the script and was like, I have a few conditions. And they're like, oh, name them, sir. He's like, okay, I want a scene where I am conducting an orchestra singing Mr. White Christmas and I'm wearing fuzzy slippers and smoking a frozen cigar somehow. (laughs) And they're like, done. That, that always, like, how is he smoking that? It's, it's a frozen mm. cigar. Uh. One of my favorite parts is when, like, the guy interrupts his, his uh, movie and he freezes and he goes, I hate when people interrupt the movie. And he goes back to watching. That has been the don't talk during the movie PSA at Alamo Draft House for every DC movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I he makes this thing bearable. He he really does. And honestly, I, I would say Uma Thurman is like right behind him. It I don't know what it was about those two, but it's like they got the script and it's like they just went, okay, this is shit, but we are going to make this work. And I don't know how they pulled it off, but they're the only two that pulled this fucking thing off to me. Like, and again, like you know, Poison Ivy gets some pretty terrible fucking lines, but Irma Thurman just knew how to play like sexy and seductive and over the top all at once somehow and pulled it off. And Schwarzenegger just knows, you know, he's Schwarzenegger. And I feel like he was just kind of like, especially 90s Schwarzenegger, like that's when you really felt like he was playing into his persona a lot more and like kind of having fun yeah. with what people perceive him as. Um, you know, that's when he was coming out with Shingo off the way, kindergarten cop. I know you're not a big fan of it, but twins, like, you know, taking what we know about him and having fun with it. And I feel like that's what he was doing here. Where he was like, yeah, I'm going to be in this really stupid, ridiculous, over-the-top action movie, but I'm going to have a fun time. He oozes so much charisma. He got top billing over Batman in this movie. I love that. Like, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney. <laughs> that's, that's fucking great. Yeah, no, we all know why we're here. And then George Clooney. <laughs> Even on the like on the, the VHS tape cover, I remember it's the poster on Rotten Tomatoes. Batman is over here on the on the left, and like Freeze is above him in the top center, like covers half the fucking case. <laughs> like this is a Mr. Freeze movie that Batman happens to be in. <laughs> it's the power of 90 Schwarzenegger, man. He still had it. He's still got it now. 
like as far as That's I'm concerned, true. you know, he never left. I I still will fucking watch a movie he's in. I fucking love Schwarzenegger so much. Yeah, he's the man. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, he, I don't. I don't condone what he did, but I, I, I love the man. Like, I, I grew up. Watch, he was the action guy I watched with my, um, my dad growing up. So, I've always had an affinity for Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I loved uh, Bill Burr's whole bit about Schwarzenegger, like you know, becoming famous for body for lifting weights, like marrying into American royalty, becoming a, like the biggest box office star on earth, like becoming a politician, like retiring, then going back into Hollywood. It's a good point, you know. I mean, few men have achieved even a fraction of what he has. Yeah, he's not going to alley oop every single time. <laughs> he's been doing layups his whole fucking life. I love how he's like, you know what she was like. Maybe she was dominating him. He was into that kind of thing. Why wouldn't he think he could fuck the maid and get away with it? <laughs> good point. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, fantastic. Ooh, well, I got no real good transition on that one, but with that, with that out of the way, now for another uh, again, kind of shame, but still having fun. I think a segment that I feel like you're really looking for. I know I am. I know you've been looking forward to this, and that's our final segment called "What's in the Box." So, to give an idea for this segment, uh, as a block, I'm hoping a good chunk of you know, being movie fans, have heard about this little thing called Letterboxd. Wonderful little social media thing. We can store the movies you watch, rate them all stuff. Well, people leave reviews. Now, after me and Connor sat through some, I was showing Connor the rest of the Halloween series one day, and we sat through some of the truly awful ones. We quickly learned. That people on there for bad movies leave some seriously funny fucking reviews on there. It is a lively bunch on Letterboxd. So, we decided to take that and make it to a segment. The idea is that, in this case, Connor or whoever co-host I have down the line will pick up to a maximum of five. Don't exceed five because then it just becomes a whole fucking Letterboxd thing. They pick up to that much. I don't fucking know what these say. I haven't seen them. This is a surprise for me. The ideal is to just to get me to laugh. So, with that said, and Josh, you're going to love this. Thrill me. <laughs> What's in the box? So, yeah, Letterboxd is quickly becoming a, uh, a real significant player in film review websites these days. When you Google a movie, it's now listed as one of the ones like IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Letterboxd. Like, it's become a big one. So there's no shortage of reviews of really good movies and really, really bad movies. And like Caleb said, the bad reviews are works of art in some cases. Like they put so much thought, way more thought into trashing a movie than they do praising a movie, which I think we all kind of do. Uh, so I have five here, a couple short ones and a couple long ones. And uh, not all negative, but I did find the funniest ones. And on Letterboxd, you can review a film uh, between one to five stars, or you can give it a heart. It's, there's a lot of different ways to do this. So without further ado, here are five reviews from Letterboxd on Batman and Robin. Number one, this is from Lee Pritchard. You either die the dark night 
or live long enough to see yourself become Batman and Robin. <laughs> One star. <laughs> oh, that wasn't hard. Hide <laughs> the dark night. Or live long enough to be. That's good. I like that. That's clever. <laughs> this is from um, Andreas Martinez. Really quickly, very uh, succinct. So bad it hurts. One star. such a weird one it's like what wait what all right this is from you know what you know what i've been there i sat through our transformers last night i got a fucking headache a legit headache watching that movie i took a fucking aspirin after the movie like i i literally got a headache it hurt me all right so we're recording this in uh mid-december so i have just done the prep for our west side story oscar sunday episode and in watching the five films up for best picture, I had to watch a film called <laughs> Fanny from 1961 that took me two fucking weeks to watch because it was so unbearably boring and pointless. It was only two hours and 14 minutes long. It took me two weeks, three separate sittings. And I was getting a headache every single time because this movie was pissing me off by how like aimless it was. So yeah, I understand the idea that some movies can physically hurt you. Yeah, so you know, yeah, you know what? Had you kept me for that particular transfer, I've been like, I don't get it, but yeah, I get it. I'm in there. <laughs> okay, number three. This is from Guillermo Prieto the Fourth. There will oh. never be a movie this fucking stupid and campy with this budget ever made again. It genuinely makes me sad, and people should embrace silliness more. Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> that does not make sense. <laughs> I hated this movie so much. Everyone should see it. Four stars. <laughs> this is a bad movie. Five stars. Check it out. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Never watch this film again. Ten stars. <laughs> this is from Sam Sleeper. Not going to say much about this movie because most of the stuff I said about forever is true about this one, too. It's just plain bare ass. Everyone knows that this movie is bad, so I'm not going to bother coming up with new things to say. I'm just so defeated. I just watched a two-hour-long toy commercial. Everyone in this movie is a dumbass. This movie is dumb. I'm dumb for watching this movie. I don't want to think about this ever again. I want to be free from this movie. Hopefully, a rewatch of Phantasm will do that for me. Hopefully, God and me. Half a star which is the lowest you can give a movie. <laughs> this guy has issues with this film, and I get it. <laughs> I lost it after the bare ass line. That was something with bare ass. I've never heard anything referred to as bare ass. It's, it's beautiful. I love huh. that he's planning on Phantasm being the movie that wakes him out of this like suicidal funk this movie put him in. <laughs> We said a rewatch, so I'm assuming that he's like, you know, I love this movie. This will, this will hate, this will save my life. <laughs> oh my god! I hope you're alive out there, Jesus Christ! I'm gonna look for that for that name. I'm, I'm hoping I can find some of the same people. Uh, I mean, that's a long shot, but you know, I'll look. And number five, Joel. Oh, first off, this is from James Bradshaw. Joel, you never should have had to apologize for this gift. Rest in anatomically correct rubber, you sweet prince. 
If you're on board with Schumacher's vibe going in, this movie is a massive step forward from Batman Forever. It's more kinetic, the fat is trimmed, and the camp is dialed in perfectly. By stripping things back to what is essentially an updated version of the 60s Batman vibe, Schumacher negates the series' need to expand its narrative and move forward. He ditched what isn't needed and delivers on all fronts the ridiculous and fun roller coaster this film is. It's dumb, loud, crass, and oh-so-quotable. Truly a camp classic. Schumacher's Gotham is in full swing here, and I'd honestly call it stunning. Just so many muscular male statues holding up bridges and buildings. I love it for what it is, and Clooney fits in like a well-worn pair of shoes. Love the Alfred stuff, too. Like the Bat credit card, this is a movie for any occasion, and he gives this a heart, which means he loved this movie. <laughs> and I love, I included this one. I didn't expect this to be literally the opposite of everything we just said, <laughs> but it, it works as a great closer, and it just... It, <laughs> It makes me happy that there's people out there who see this and are like, that was amazing. <laughs> oh. This movie changed my life in a good way. Yeah, this was, this was fun. I'm going to enjoy doing this every week. <laughs> yeah, this is, I'm going to enjoy this segment. My personal favorite was So Bad It Hurts because that was it. That's all they had. They, had to, they needed to say something, but they didn't want to say too much. Yeah, they're so hurting. They're like, oh, I can't say a lot. The aspirin hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah, something needs to be said, though. <laughs> yeah. Mine also between that one and the guy, I need to rewatch Phantasm. Like, I just, the bare ass, and he just went from there. It was great. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, you either die the Dark Knight or you live long enough to see yourself become Batman and Robin. That's just great. If, you, if you're familiar with the Dark Knight, You'll appreciate that. And if you're listening to this, odds are you, you fucking are. Yeah, it's it's a great callback, if you will, and very cheeky. I'm a fan of cheeky comments. Oh, me too. Oh, this was fun, man. Just knowing the variety of the films we're going to be doing on this show, I'm going to have so much fun finding crazy shit about all these movies from that site. Oh, oh yeah, because this is the thing, like, you know, this was a good start, right? Picking Batman and Robin. There are some films, like I said, being like, I purposely picked some films that I knew, like, a good chance we're going to despise so I'm like I can't just keep doing films that I love and especially the film we know we'll be doing next week the next episode of this show is one I know we both personally love but I figured to get it out early get it out of my system I'll be happy but yeah there's definitely some stuff I know I'm just like oh I gotta sit to this movie <laughs> Uh, I know that on, you know, on all the other shows and on the film guys website, we do a one out of 10 score, but I mean, on this show, I feel like it would just be kind of insulting, kind of like, you know, kicking them while they're down. So I don't know if you want to do that here. We can, but I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. Unless somehow then we're like, you know, what? this was a 10 out of 10 film. We're crazy. <laughs> I can say right now there for me personally, it will never be a 10 on this, on this show. Yeah. <laughs> There, may, there will rarely be an eight. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would say if I would say I personally don't want to keep kicking a dead horse with the score. If it's something like, uh, you know, the movie we got like next week's, I might give that a score just because I disagree so heavily with people's hate on it. Fair enough. OK, that's a good one. If, if we disagree with the with the universal hatred, we'll throw our own score at it. But if we agree, which will happen quite a lot, we just we'll just leave it. Yeah, unless I truly like, yeah, no, yeah, because if anything, like, if you're curious, I know I keep 
fucking it's been a while once i get back to goddamn writing reviews you can just go on the site and check out my review anyway for these episodes and they'll be up there anyway yeah there you go cool uh plug yeah. in the site yeah we gotta plug this up we don't we don't do that enough we have a website you guys know that <laughs> filmgasm.com <laughs> you can check it out whenever you want all the reviews all the episodes of all of our shows we got articles written by a lot of the team. You can read our bios. You can check out uh, the trailers for stuff that's coming out soon. Uh, all sorts of shit on the website. Check that out. Yeah, check out the website. And actually, uh, Connor, if you want, before we wrap this up, unless you have more you want to say about the movie or the show, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Um. Well, there's our socials. You can always check us out at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. Uh, if you want to send us a message on feedback, if you, if you like this show, if you don't like this show, I mean, we're going to keep doing it whether you like it or not, but we'd like to know so we can tweak it. Uh, send us an email. It be your bad show, just like we're watching our bad movies. Exactly. This can be the thing that you hate but have to deal with. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Filmgasm at gmail.com or you can send us a message uh, through the socials. Um, you can always uh, donate if you want to uh, support this podcast. Click on that. Uh, you don't have to, but we appreciate it. Um, we're recording this in December, so I have no fucking clue what's going on in the Filmgasm podcast or sneak preview or Oscar Sunday. So I'll just leave that for now. Uh, what's coming out next week for Beyond the Bad? Well, for Beyond the Bad, we will be looking at, as far as I am concerned, the underrated, yeah, I said it, Action film video game adaptation 2005's rock vehicle Doom. <laughs> Doom, <laughs> it look, it may not be the game, and as someone who actually has played the most, the two most recent ones, it's definitely not the games, but it's a lot of fun. If you just give into this movie, it is so much fun. God, I haven't played Doom since like the late 80s, which is amazing because I was born in 1995. Uh, but I remember seeing Doom at the movies with a friend and thinking, this is awesome. Like, I don't understand why everyone hated it. I was like, this is cool. And then, you know, it's been a while. So maybe I've changed. We'll, we'll find out. I'm but, still going to love it, but I can definitely like, I can definitely be like, no, this is definitely going for first line or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be fun. There's going to be a lot of video game movies on this show because, you know, the curse speaks for itself. But next week, if you want to come see, hear us talk about, you know, The Rock when he was still The Rock, early Carl Urban movie, Richard Brake is in this thing, Dexter Fletcher, Rosamund Pike, a lot of people who are pretty significant these days. So definitely a, a fun movie if you're in the mindset for it. Yeah. And, you know, with that said, you know, this has been, as far as I'm concerned, a wonderful first episode of yeah, our man. brand new show, Beyond the Bad. I am highly looking forward to doing this uh, for the foreseeable future, for the coming weeks. Take a break at least once a week. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, but, uh... this, is, this is for me going to be kind of like, I know I say, I've said this about every single show we've produced, but this is going to be recess <laughs> where I could just turn my brain off watch a piece of shit and talk about it for a little bit. It's fun. Like I haven't had to use any brain power on this episode. I haven't had to try to impress anybody. I haven't had to try to pull facts out of my ass. It's just Batman and Robin. And next week's going to be just doom. It's nice. It's a nice change of pace. 
yeah, and for me, it as weird as it sounds, because that's all I do for their shows. Um, it gives me the chance, kind of like, especially if it's a movie I own, because believe it or not, I own some of these fucking films anyway. I can go through my bonus features. I can do all the fun research I I tend to love to do anyway, and uh, really kind of build a sh- the shove and. A lot of cases really dig into stuff I didn't even know about, like what went into the making these films and how they kind of ended up the way they did anyway. So yeah, a big fun. part of this, you know, is like a bad movie doesn't just fall out of the fucking sky. Things have to happen. You know, people have to make bad decisions. People have to make wrong decisions. People have to make no decisions. And this is what it ends up, you know, a movie that gets lost to time and lost to culture. And here we are pulling it out of the void and talking about it again. <laughs> Cousin. Um, filmgasm you never forget nope no we do not <laughs> no and this covers oh. kind of the four tent poles of movies we've got cult movies covered we've got award movies covered we've got new movies covered and now we have bad movies covered <laughs> it's only a matter of time with the bad films <laughs> <laughs> fantastic <laughs> this is definitely going to be a blast oh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it and um thank you all for this journey into our first episode and until next time, watch out for villains who love puns. They're, they'll hurt you and they'll make puns with it. And go kick some ice. Thank you.